So you all excited about Christmas? I want to tell you a true story. Maybe a little embellished, but true nevertheless. We have um, people often ask me, hey, do you have any pets? And I say, no, but my family does. <laughs> We've got two dogs, two cats, and we're down to one hamster. And I wonder what happened to all those other hamsters. Some of them die off pretty young, but some of them, they just last, last forever. So my plan, if it was up to me, we'd feed the hamster to the cats. The cats to the dogs, and then I'd take the dogs for a ride. Because <laughs> I'm a horrible, evil person. But the rest of my family, they love having it. I like animals. I just, you know, don't want them in the house because they don't know the difference between a toilet and a carpet or between their bones and my shoes. So I'd rather them not be in the house, but everybody else loves to have them in the house. And um, in fact, my wife loves animals so much that she'll buy them birthday presents. And it's, you, you buy an animal at the pound, you don't know when the thing was born. So of course, yes, the vet, how old's the, the, the puppy? And she'll say, oh, it's about seven months. Okay, so you were born December 1st. Your birthday's December 1st. And December 1st rolls around, sometimes my wife will buy them a present. I guess if you don't know when your birthday is, you've got to make one up. I mean, that has happened to orphans in the past. You know, they don't know when their birthday is, and so they make one up. Nobody really knows when Jesus' birthday was. We've been celebrating it on December 25th for, you know, a thousand years, but nobody really knows that's when he was born. But it really doesn't matter. It's, it's an honor and a blessing to take one day and just set it aside to honor the Lord. So for those of you who are, you know, really upset about it, well, then you can pick another day. But 20, the December 25th is just as good as any. And all of the traditions that have been, you know, I really love the Christmas season. I just think it's amazing. You know, I, I don't like going to the mall. But everything else I like. I like the lights. I like the cheer. I like the special foods. I like the trees and the presents. And there's just this, a spirit of goodwill in the air, except at the mall. Now, if Christmas is Jesus' birthday, I find it kind of odd that we give presents to each other. Usually it's the person whose birthday it is gets the presents. But this is kind of weird that it's his birthday and we give each other presents. But it's nice because presents represent the gifts of the Magi. Presents represent God's gifts to us because God has always given us gifts. Jesus himself was actually the first Christmas present. Remember what the scripture says, the wages of sin is death, of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So Jesus himself is really the Christmas present, the ultimate Christmas present. And it's so like God. It's his son's birthday, so we give each other presents. But God's always given us presents. If you think about it, the Bible says, let me quote this version, it's awesome. Every good gift and every perfect present comes from heaven, comes down from God. So anything good in your life is a gift from God to you. Anything good. God even gives presents to atheists. He loves people that deny his existence. He loves people that hate him. 
that's just something to strive for because we know we should be that way, but we're not. We try, but we're really not. There's this one tradition at Christmas. We've never celebrated it, my family, but a lot of people do it. They make a list of what they want. Some people even send it to Santa Claus at the North Pole. I always wonder why he moved to the North Pole. Christmas Eve, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Santa Claus and Christmas trees. There's actually some really cool traditions behind those that I think you should know about. Make your Christmases better. But uh, we never did the Santa Claus thing at my house. You know, we never told our kids about Santa Claus. We um, told them, no, we're getting you the presents. <laughs> we want all the credit. <laughs> but for those who did, they'd make this list of everything they'd want. And, you know, maybe the parents would sneak a peek at the list and get some of their presents for them. How many of you got one of these when you came in this morning? All right. Go ahead and pull that out. It says, my wish list. There should be a pencil in front of you in the pew there. I want you to cross off the word wish. And instead of us making a list of things we want, how about we make a list of things we've already got? Things that God has already given us. God gives us all sorts of good things. So instead of my wish list, how about my thanks list? And I'm going to take a few minutes right now. I'm going to give you a few minutes. I want you to think of some of the things in your life that you're thankful for. Things that the Bible says God has given you. Remember, any good thing in your life God has given you. So start making a list of things in your life that are good. Some of you should be starting off with Starbucks. I, I don't drink coffee, so that wouldn't be on my list. But I love the smell of coffee. So I'm actually thankful that my daughter drinks coffee because now I get to smell it. Isn't that weird to really like the smell of something but not like drinking it? I don't know. So you, you're the same? All right, so let's, uh, let's see, put it on your thanks list. Man, I almost forgot food. How many of you are thankful for food? I know, isn't food awesome? I mean, God could have made us termites where we just eat wood all day. Imagine, what would you have for Thanksgiving? I'm going to have an oak. Yeah, food is necessity, but it's a pleasure. It's one of the greatest joys in life. So you can have whatever you want on your list. I'll give you just, mine says Jesus, church, specifically you people, salvation, my family, my house, the peace and safety that we enjoy, music, books, food. And the list can go on and on and on. Every year we ask, at least when we were young, for people to give us stuff for Christmas. But I just want you to remember, as I know you do, that God is always, always gives us stuff all the time. God's given, 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 given. But I want to turn at the tables this year. And I'd like to invite you to join me. I want you to give gifts to God this year. Now, what would you give God? You know, new fishing rod? What, what would God want? I, I think I know what God wants. 
So I'm going to share with you what I think God wants that you should give him this year. Number one gift, and I'll mention a few. Number one present, and I'll read it from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love God this year. Say, Steve, I already love God. I'm sure you do. Love him more. Love him harder. Give him your whole heart. Now, I could leave it at that, but that wouldn't help you, in my opinion. Because love is a very nebulous, non-specific concept. If I just say, love God, oh, okay, I love God, Steve. Yeah, do you? What about you shows your love for God? See, love, there's some specifics tied to it in the Bible. Before Jesus was crucified, and he knew the crucifixion was coming, he decided to have dinner with his disciples, and he sat down with them, and he talked to them. The book of John records a very lengthy conversation right before he died. These are the last words of Jesus to his disciples before his crucifixion. He told them no less than five times in this one conversation how to love him. No less than five times. You think it might be important that in one conversation he says the same thing no less than five times on how to love him? Listen. Here's what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, 24. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Five times Jesus said, one way or another, that we show our love by obedience. So, you want to give God a Christmas present? He doesn't want a new rod and reel or a new pickup truck or a book. He wants our love. And our love isn't some emotional pitter-patter. It's a commitment to obey Him, to do exactly what He tells us to do. Well, if I told you to give God a Christmas gift and I told you to love Him, that's not enough. It's not specific enough. So I told you what love means. With God, it means obedience. But that's not good enough either. Obey in what way? What should I specifically do? Well, the Bible's full of instruction. But let me just give you five things. Five things that you can focus in on this year that God would love. Five presents to God. You know, I'm not this creative and, and I don't have that much ambition. But for those of you who do, you can actually wrap up presents at home, label them, and leave them on the banister to remind you these are God's gifts. Put them in your car. Do what you... Reminders. Number one way to obey God for this coming year in my sh short list of five. Obey Him by living a life of purity. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It's God's will. So this is what God wants. It's God's will 
that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So commit yourself to giving God honor with your vessel. Commit yourself to sexual purity. Second thing, we obey him by giving him our time in Christian service. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Christmas present to God, number one, purity. Christmas present to God, number two, Christian service. Christian present to God, number three, our tithes and our offerings. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You give as much as you want, but I want to encourage you to do it and to grow in that area. When my wife and I got married, at first we were not tithers. I don't remember if we started tithing before we got married or after, but I remember sitting down and talking with her and said, you know what? I don't think we give enough. I know there's no legalistic formula, but Abraham tithed all throughout the Old Testament. Everybody tithed and that seems like we should do the same. And she said, you, you know, you're right, we should. Now, like a lot of you, you're like, how can I possibly tithe? We don't have any money. We were poor. I mean, we, we stole cheese from the church mice. We were poor. But we decided to do it. And our finances, we've never lacked a meal. We've owned houses and cars and TVs. We've got it good. We give God 10% right off the bat and we don't seem to run out. It's an amazing thing. Now, we're not foolish with our money. We don't just throw it here and there. We, we handle our money wisely. But it's like craziness. We gave God a whole bunch, and he gave us more back. So last week, at midweek study, I was in um, Michael's class. Maybe it was the week before. I, it wasn't that long ago. And he was teaching on financial and giving, or whoever took his class that, that night, and Pastor Michael, so both Michaels, separate, oh, here, it was Ed. Ed took Michael's class. Now I got it. And Ed decided to teach on giving, and Michael Robinson, our other pastor, was teaching on giving, independently of each other. They just randomly chose that topic. So I was in Ed's class at the very end, and somebody said, you know, when we started tithing, our entire financial world turned around. And everything was good. And I said, you know what? We've got a, a similar testimony. In fact, one of the people in the class said, I'm curious, how many people in here started tithing and their financial world turned around? And like most of the class raised their hands. It was crazy. You know, how many of you decided to tithe once in your life and your finances turned around because of it? Let me see your hands. Look around, everybody. That's 80% uh, of the group about, roughly speaking. The Bible promises us that if we honor God, he'll take care of us. And so, this coming year, honor God with your purity. Honor God with your Christian service. And honor him with your tithes and offerings. In the pews in front of you is a little brochure. Now, we always keep those brochures right by our giving boxes. But I wanted to make sure those of you who might not have picked one up have one. It's a brief lesson on what the Bible says about giving. And then on the back of that, there's a couple of lessons that I did on video and audio that you can, you know, order if you want even more details on giving. 
everything the Bible has to say about tithing and giving is one of the lessons I gave like last year. And you can uh, just get a CD of that if you want. We honor God with our purity. We honor God with our Christian service. We honor him with our tithes and offerings. We obey, we obey, we obey. And then we obey him by studying his word and putting it to practice. I'm sure most of you read his word all the time. That's what Christians do. But up the ante. Do it a little more seriously. This is what Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11 says about God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide God's word away in your heart that you might not sin against him. Obey him by studying his word and putting it into practice. So I told you five presents that I would like you to give to God this year. Your purity, your service, your offerings, studying his word and putting it into practice. And the fifth one has two elements to it. When I was young, I played on some sports teams. And then when I was a bit older, I got involved in drama. When you're on a sports team, you've got a couple of goals. First of all, you want your team to win. Everybody on the team has one goal, be the champs. Nobody gets involved in sports to lose. They want to win. So let's say you're on the team, and maybe um, you try out, and you become a starter, and you become the center on the football team. You're the center, and you're at practices. What happens if you don't show up one day at practice? That coach is going to read you the riot act, chew you out in front of everybody, and make you run laps, and all your friends are going to look at you and say, why didn't you show up? What an idiot. You think you can just blow us all off like that and hurt your team like that? Idiot, because you're letting the whole team down. You do it again, you're, off, you're, not, you're not starting anymore. They'll, they'll give somebody else your position. Do it again, you're probably off the team altogether. Well, when I was in drama, oh man, that made football look like a cakewalk. We were there all the time. You see, you don't have the opportunity in live theater to forget your lines. What happens if you're up there and you mess up? So you got to practice. you got to practice and practice and practice and pass perfect. So if you screw up, you can fall back on perfect. Drama was the most intense experience of my life. We even practiced screwing up so that if we screwed up, we knew what to do because we practiced it. We did improv all the time. We practice improv. What happens if you're on stage and you forget your lines? You can't just go, excuse me, I'm sorry, everybody. Can we take a break? I forgot my lines. You better make something up. You better help the people around you who are waiting on your cue. Do something. So we actually practice screwing up so that if we did, we'd be ready. And we wouldn't be like, uh, uh, uh. We, we just... You got so good at it that nobody even knew if you messed up. You just went with it. So I share this with you. I mean, how important really is it to be on a football team? It's not that important. It's fun. But unless you're on the NFL, it's just, it's just fun. And even if you are in the NFL, how important is that? It's, just, it's not that important. It's just fun. 
and an income. An income, wow. Then it becomes, there's your reason for practicing right there, that $10 million contract. Uh, I don't think I'll show up today. Same with drama. Why did we practice so hard? It was fun. We liked it. And we didn't want to look stupid on stage. And we didn't want to let down the other cast members, because if you mess up, it messes them up. And same on football. If you mess up, it messes everybody else up. But here's the funny thing. We blow off church and Christian service like it wasn't that important. You know, I just don't feel like going today, so I'm not going to. You know, I know they've been asking for the last six months for help up on the soundboard, but pff, it's not my thing. I know they want help in the nursery, but pff, I did my time. We take Christ less seriously than people take football. And I want to encourage you not to do that this coming year. Don't make Christ a convenience. Give him a present. Love him and make him your priority. So my fifth present that I'm recommending for you this year is your commitment to Christ at the church. Two parts. Here's what I recommend you do. You commit yourself to showing up no less than twice a week. Once to serve and once to be served. In other words, one day a week, say on a Wednesday night, you come and I'm coming just to help out in the youth group. That's it. I'm not coming for my own benefit or I'm coming to help out in Awana or I'm coming to help Jose sing and lead us in worship or I'm coming to lead a lesson or I'm coming just to encourage people. I am not coming for me. I'm coming for you and neither hell nor high water will keep me from coming. I am coming. And it might be Sunday morning. I'm coming to work in the nursery. And I'm not going to let anybody down and say, oh, I don't feel like being there. And then we've got to scrabble at the last minute to find somebody to, to fill in. I'm not going to make Ben be the only guy on the soundboard anymore. I'm going to help. And nothing's going to keep me from coming. I'm coming. And then Wednesday night you get fed. You show up on Wednesday night just to grow. This is what I recommend you give to the Lord this year. Now, honestly, this is some, these five things you should be giving to God all the time. But I know we get distracted. And I know the Bible is full of things that we can do that we can get to the point where we're overwhelmed and we don't focus in. So I'm asking you to focus in on five things this year. Purity. Sexual purity. Christian service. Tithes and offerings. Studying his word and putting it into practice. And fifth, making the church your football team or your drama club or whatever it is you know that I'm talking about that works with your life. There's one more thing I want to share with you about loving God. Remember, it's about giving God Christmas presents this year. And I told you that the number one thing is to love him. And that means obedience, and I gave you five ways to do it. But there's something, when he was asked the number one thing, he didn't give the number one. He gave number one and two. So to him, it's not like he wants just personal love. There's something else he wants. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor doesn't mean the guy who lives next door. In the Bible, neighbor just means your fellow human being. So anyone else is your neighbor. It should say not love your neighbor as yourself. It should say love your fellow human being as you love yourself. In modern English, that's how it should read. All right, 
I told you if I just told you to love God, it wasn't good enough. I needed to give you specifics, and I did. If I just tell you to love your neighbor, it's not good enough. I need to give you specifics. So let me give you some specifics. One, go out of your way to do things for people. Somebody needs a ride. It's 9 o'clock at night. You're already in your jammies. Get out of your jammies or put on your sneakers. No, no, put on your boots because that will look even funnier. And give them a ride. Just help. Just go out of your way. Inconvenience yourself to help a brother or sister or a total stranger. How do you love your neighbors? You love yourself. You do things for people. Go out of your way to do things for people. Another way you can love your fellow human being is practice forgiveness and forbearance. They will let you down. They will disappoint you. They will hurt your feelings. They will offend and annoy you. It's a given. They just happen to be human. Look at it as an opportunity to practice grace. Practice forgiveness and forbearance. Tell them, you know what? I got mad at you. My bad. It's not like I'm perfect. I've probably done the same to you twice. I'm sorry I got mad at you. You're totally forgiven. Let's just forget about it. Do our best to get along with others. That would be the third thing. Just do your best. I've always heard people say, yeah, well, I'll give 50% if he gives 50%. What's, what's 50%? And if it's based on what they do, that's just stupid. Biblically speaking, God doesn't say, yeah, I'll love you if you love me first. God loves you first. So here's what you need to do with other people. Go out of your way 100% for them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how they treat you. Like God cares how we treat him. He wants us to be like him. You give them 100%. It doesn't matter how they treat you. Don't, don't expect anything back out of them. You just do the best you can by him. The best you can. Don't judge. There's one judge. He sits on a throne. Let him do it. Here's a real important one. And it's hard. Because we don't even know we're doing it. Don't make demands. So I don't make demands of people. Anytime somebody lets you down or disappoints you, it's because you've got a demand on them. That's what I mean by demands. I don't mean go to somebody and say, do this for me. I mean, when your expectations are at such a level that if they don't meet them, they disappoint you, that's a demand. Don't expect anything from anybody. Nobody owes you anything. That's it. And if you feel that way, nobody's going to let you down. So it's really good for you, too. Just give up all your expectations and demands of people. And life's going to get a lot more comfortable. And then finally, the sixth thing, sixth thing, do what we can, do what you can, to alleviate the suffering of other people. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. See who's suffering in your life and do what you can to help. It might just mean going to the grocery store for them and saving them the trip when they've got a cold. How many of you have ever had a cold and you just, you didn't feel great? You weren't dying, but it would have been nice if you didn't have to do laundry that day. Let me see some hands. Yeah. Well, step up. You got a friend who's sick? Just show up and say, hey, what can I do for you? Oh, nothing. I'm fine. Get out of my way. And go make them dinner. You, got, you can only do that with your friends. Because they're all going to say, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. No, that's what they're going to say. Everybody loves to be pampered. Everybody leaves, loves to be helped, you know? Here's what, here's what I'm telling you. You're sitting in front of the TV, and I'm going to do something for you. Now, I'm going to do something that's going to help you or something that's going to annoy you, but I'm going to do something. So you tell me what it's going to be so I do the right something. 
Go grab the vacuum cleaner. Hopefully it'll give them a headache and they'll say, no, no, don't vacuum. Okay, then what do you want me to do? Well, would you go to the grocery store for me? You got it. What do you want? Well, would you make dinner for me? You know it. Just go out of your way to help somebody else, to alleviate their suffering. It's very Christ-like. So let me just read to you a synopsis, and then we'll be done. It's the whole lesson in a couple paragraphs. It's Christmas. It's a time for presents. God's always giving us presents. He gives us all good things. In fact, Jesus Christ himself was the very first Christmas present. But in turn, we should give gifts to God. The number one gift we should give him is our love, which is shown out in obedience. Jesus said it no less than five times. Very important to him that we understand that we show our love to him through obeying him. And I said, let's focus in on five things. A life of purity for this coming year, a life of Christian service, giving him our tithes and offerings, studying his word and putting it into practice, and committing to the church. One day a service, one day for self. The chief way, however, to obey God is to love one another. And we do this by going out of our way to do things for people, by practicing forgiveness and forbearance, by doing our best to get along with others, by not judging, by not making demands, and to going out of our way to alleviate other people's sufferings. Today's lesson, to simplify it, just be a Christian this year. That's it. Just be a Christian. Give God the gift of your obedience and give us the gift of your love. And you just watch what happens in this church if you take this lesson seriously. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, I know what the scripture says. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Help us pour your spirit upon us so that we might overcome our flesh and be godly examples that we might live the life of love. Lord, help us to give you the present you want, our obedience and our love, our love to you and our love to one another. God, don't let us forget. Don't let this become one lesson amongst 50 and we just put it on the back shelf. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And we pray that you'd help us to give you the gifts that you deserve and desire. Thank you for Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.